0: This is Abnormal Entertainment.
1: Two, three, four. Walked into the tunnel Just to find a light Hunted for old demons Looking for a fight Looked up at the stars Seemed to go forever There must be a way It all fits together. Fell into the quicksand. Held on to the vines. Never cook my color. Stay within the lines. Feels like I have wings. I can fly wherever. This is just the way. It all fits together. Finally saw the world. Through rose-colored glasses Gonna share my journey To small and large masses Give up on my life No, sir, me, never This is how I Put it together This is how I Put it together This is how I put it together. Hey everybody, this is Daniel Garza, and welcome to another
0: episode of Put It Together. I'd like to start as usual. thanking my producer, Mr. Kevin Moyers, for all his help and support. Thank you, sir. Inviting everybody to check us out at abnormalindependentment.com, where you can check all of the shows on the network. Go check that out. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Look for Daniel G. Garza. Or at Little Mexican L I L M E S I C A N. Check out everything we got about me, my guest, and the shows that are coming up today. I'm super excited. I'm always excited when I get a another Latino on the show because um, you, you know there's going to be some Spanish coming up and food conversations somewhere along the way. But I have uh, Mr. Jose Reyes Management. Uh, right. But I'm gonna I'm want to tell people because you're also produced and you're also a comedian and that's how I met you. Uh, well, that's why I found you. Mm-hmm. Um, to let people know, I, we actually just met this morning because I, I stalked him a little bit. Uh, we're both graduates of Cool Beans Comedy. Uh, oh. When was your? When did you go through there?
2: Ooh, good question. I believe that was about a year ago, two years ago, about two years ago. I I started actually. I started going to Cool Beans shows first. Okay. So I start, I like comedy, right? So I, I found out about comedy. Then uh I started looking out for shows. And then Cubans would come up in Eventbrite I think yeah. it was. And then I started seeing all this uh communions she was having and there were communities. I was watching on YouTube. You know, uh some of my favorites like uh Dustin Ibarra was on on gonna be on there, Alonzo Bowden. So I started going to this I'm like free shows and I'm over here like being skeptical, right? Like free <laughs> shows. And I did go, and it was a free show, and then I kept continuing to go, and then one time I went to the film for Jeff died. the Corey Craig, shout out Corey, uh, did. Once I went there, I sent him an email saying how thankful I was, you know, for what he was doing, and it was free, and I'm a college student, so it was always, you know, nice. And then he, and I said I always wanted to do comedy, just, you know, I always wanted to do comedy, and he invited me over to one of the classes, and we met after the class, I, I just kind of sat down in the class, they, I mean, Matt was incorporating me into the class, you know, the activities that they did, I did them. And then, after that, we spoke with Corey, and I said, hey, man, what you're doing, I like it, I I want to be part of it. And so we started, she's like, I'll I'll hit you up on Tuesday. He did hit me up on Tuesday, and we just started talking, and then we started working together, you know, I started helping out with the shows a little bit, and then he's like uh thanks for all your help we'll give you an internship i mean i'm sorry not an internship but a scholarship for cool beans U. so i actually got to do the the class nice so i did the class and then the rest is history and for those of you that have been following
0: me for a while uh know that i just did it here in october of 2018 and uh you can check my video up on youtube so check that out um but let's get started, because I, I, I'm really excited to hear your story. Right. So,
2: Jose Reyes, tell us how you put it together. Oh, man, I put it together many different ways. Now, so, uh, I'm originally from Guatemala. Uh, that's where I was born and raised up until I was 10 years old. And I remember, uh, you know, things were tough. I was raised by a single mother. I, don't, I do know who my father is. He just was never in the house. But that's just like... Everybody watching would have probably guessed that. Um, that's a joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I knew my dad and everything, but, you know, my mom was a teacher. She was a principal, and so it happens in, in countries like Guatemala, I don't want to speak about but the other ones. Uh, teachers are not paid well or at least treated well. So it was tough for my mom, and and so I think she made the conscious decision that she wanted to give me a better life. And so... She ended up coming over to the United States, and I stayed with my aunt for maybe about a month or so, and then I remember this very well. I never forget this <clears throat> it came it was a Thursday I believe there was a Thursday, and I get a call well my aunt gets a call, and then I talk to my mom and she says that I'm leaving you know to to come with her. There was not like i do you want to come over do you want none of that it was just like hey you're you gonna come with me and I was like I'm not leaving you know I was, I was like I'm not leaving." I was like, what is this? And I thought I had like a week or two, you know, I was over here get planning what I'm time. doing. And I was leaving Saturday of the same week. Wow. So it was so Thursday and then Saturday I was I was leaving. So, you know, I packed on my stuff. I wasn't happy. Packed on my stuff. There was a lot of people I didn't get to say bye to. And when I mean bye to, I mean like see, hug or something. My grandfather actually met me in the airport and, and, and gave me a hug. And, you know, it was very emotional just because, you know, we didn't know when we were going to see each other type of thing. So then I left, then I came on over, and I went to... I grew up always in the Valley, so I'm the first, so I went to an L.A. school by the Coliseum. We would wake up with my mom at 5 in the morning to, to go to, so she could work at the Coliseum, because she worked cleaning the Coliseum. Oh, wow. So we would go at uh, 5 in the morning, and then she would drop me off at like around 6.30 maybe uh, to the school, and then she'll go to work. So I will be in the school at 6.30, just like, you know, hanging in there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was I just, I was just sitting there. This is, this is not lies. My mom, my mom can, can validate for me. <laughs> uh, and it's not something that she would like to say probably either. So, <laughs> but that's,
0: a dedica- that's some dedication to her too. Like she had to go to school yeah. work. I mean, what so else do you do?
2: Exactly. And the way that they will help is because the Coliseum was like her work. And so when she got out of work, she'll pick me up. So, that's what happened, and, and I was, you know, that we did that for, like, a little bit. I want to say maybe maybe two months. Then they took me out, and then I went to a, a school near to where we were staying with my uncle because we were, we were living with my uncle, and that was uh, uh, Sherman Oaks Elementary. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that one's was pretty cool. Um, we went over, uh, they enrolled me in there. I was the, I want to say the second Latino, third Latino in the class. I don't know which, how many, like, what level I was in the whole entire school, but there was a, <laughs> you know, it was a populated w- with a lot of uh, white kids and a- African-American kids. And so there was not a million Latinos So I actually was thankful for that because there was nobody I could speak Spanish to. There was only one kid named Rafael who would translate for me. You oh, wow. know, because my teacher, uh, Mr. Cook, was, he uh, only spoke English. So, yeah, wow, so Raphael will translate for me. he'll be like, "Oh, he means this," and the only thing that him and I we spoke the same language was math' Because I like math, and so that was the only thing that I probably was good at more than with the kids, and didn't have to speak English so understand what was yeah. going on there.
0: yeah numbers are pretty universal, but before you move on let mm-hmm. me let me ask you that um you come to a country and you don't know the language mm-hmm. how How does it make you feel i mean
2: isolated do you still
1: so are you still one
2: of the kids so that's pretty funny um to me at least when people ask about fitting in i unfortunately never had an experience or not fitting in and 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 i'm gonna get to that and it'll be very interesting what i'm what i'm gonna say because everybody thinks i find it interesting i find it too so when i went to that school i never felt isolated The kids, and most of the kids were white. One of my best friends that I met there, his name is Jesse Lopez... But he's a second-generation Mexican, but he does not speak any Spanish. Right. And I would just stare at him because his hair was so spiked up. And so I was staring <laughs> in class to him, you know? And he would look at me, and then he would, like, smile, and I would smile. And then, you know, when we were kids, you know, you do that today in college, people would be like, this guy is weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know Like, are you hitting on me? Yeah, guys? exactly. Are you hitting on me, man? But we would just smile, and then he would be very gothic. He would be very, like, always wears black, always wore, like, the fat DC shoes. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, shorts and long sleeve He never wore a sweater He wore a sweater when it was like super cold And I would wear gloves And he would just wear a sweater And the other day He would just have a normal t-shirt And it would be freezing outside <laughs> So that was that And then they would play handball So remember Coming in A lot of people don't understand too Is that you The games we play playing in, in other countries Were different than the games here. Right. I play um, I'm going to say them in Spanish and trompo Yeah You know, I don't know how the translation is I'll play that I flew fl- kites you know, but they were made from paper, yeah. not like plastic. Uh, cincos, which is uh, marbles, you know what I'm saying? <coughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? All that stuff. Uh, that's what we would play, you know? Right. And here, there was none of that. Right. There was not... In my head, I was coming in in the airplane. I was like, I'm going to teach all these kids how to play this. I'm going to be the best of this. I get here, people didn't even know. You know what I'm saying? They didn't... Right. I thought they had it, but I was like, there's no way they're better than me. You know what I'm saying? I'll be throwing the thrombo, putting it in my hand, you know what I'm saying? Just holding it, you know? Um... So then they, what they would do is, um, they would actually, I think the teacher told them at one point, I I had to, I had to guess, I couldn't understand, but I had to guess Mr. Cook probably told them, you know, help them. So they would, they would, they would drag me with them and he like, we want to play handball, right? And then, you know, kids have different rules, like they will check your ears, the inside of your ears, you know what I'm saying, to see if you were cool or something. But not just me, <laughs> they did that to everybody. You know, it's like, what are you doing, right? Oh, you
0: white people.
2: <laughs> yeah. It was like, what are you doing? So I would be with my friend Cameron, and he'd be like, oh, he wants, uh, we're gonna play. And it's like, oh, they say something about me because he pointed at me. And then all I know was the Cameron was like, he doesn't speak English. Uh, what? People were like, what? Yeah. Jose, say, man, may I go to the bathroom? And I was like, uh huh? And they're like, see, I told you, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> they started teaching me that. And all the kids, so Mr. Cook was like, Jose, uh, I would raise my hand and I'll no, tell Rafael, hey, like, Rafael, him, I gotta go to the bathroom. And then Rafael would tell him, he's like, no, 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 Jose, you say it. And then, you know, they would tell me. So then everybody, every time I would bump into people from my class, they would come over and they'd be like, Jose, say say you want to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, ah, oh, me, you know what I'm saying? And they are doing this and they would correct me. So. That's pretty cool. It was pretty cool, and so they incorporated me into the whole culture. I never felt left out i love the I love all those people, you know what I'm saying. Um, I actually went to school with some of the people that are famous today, like uh victoria justices Victoria justice. I was in this, in the class with Victoria Justice's sister, which is Madison. oh wow, yeah, I was with her uh there's this other guy that comes out in uh grown ups Cameron he has a lot of freckles. I okay. was in school with him. he was just a great lower, so it was pretty cool. I made some i mean at the time, we didn't know who these kids were, but now they, they, you know, they grew up into it. So that was pretty cool. Uh, then after that, I just did the fourth grade there, because they put me back. I should have been in fifth grade, but since I didn't know the language, they thought it was a good idea to put me in fourth grade to learn the language. And then, so that's why, um, in school now, you know, I'm usually it was older than the kids I was in school with. It was rare the case when I was with somebody that, you know, was sort of my same age, but they, they turned that, that age that I was later. You know, I turned it first. Well, my 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 birthday's in July, so every time I started a new school year, I started with a new age. Got it. So then I went, so then we moved again, because we moved about eight different places with my mom. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so we moved to the Valley Reseda, and I attended Garden Grove Elementary. Okay. And that was when I probably first experienced probably the first time I don't want to say racism or discrimination but that was the first time I was probably made fun of by latino kids yeah and that's something people never like what it's like yeah latino kids are cool man they would like call me you know I would I would, like speaking out an accent so then they had this little term paisa on yeah. paisita right for us for me that's somebody who's in the same country as you if i meet another Right. You know? guatemala is me paisano yeah here pa- paisita means either i think it meant you're not from here or you're an immigrant or something and you definitely have an accent nobody will call paisa somebody or very you still have a lot of your your latino roots yeah i think i still have a lot of my Latino my latino roots you know what i'm saying i hadn't stepping away from the from the culture people would dress a certain way i would dress a complete different way You know, I'll probably tuck in my shirt. They didn't tuck in their shirt. Right. Oh,
0: yeah. That's a big thing. Yes.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, people watching this will know it's like, oh, yes, I I tucked in my shirt, you know. Um, That type of thing. I'll comb my hair this way. If I wanted to spike it up, my mom's like, nah, you're going to school. So she'll like, you know, comb me very well and everything. Always, you know, my mom always had me dress well and and showered and everything. So then they started, you know, I started that little... Then that's when they started. I was feeling very isolated. And so nothing... As a kid, you don't go like, "Oh, I'm being discriminated. I'm being made fun of." You just kind of see like, "Oh, these kids are rude. They don't like me." Type of thing. Yeah,
0: they're just bullies. Yeah,
2: they yeah, yeah. are. I didn't see. I was. I. 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 Was, every time I make fun of people, like not make fun of people getting bullied, but <laughs> when I was start like, always thought, like, heard of like some bullying, like cyber bullying. I'm like, I'm like, this is ridiculous, man. Like, what are you talking about? Then I started thinking about what. Then started learning about what bullying is. So I was like, oh, dang, I was bullied. You know what I mean? Yeah, no you things.
0: don't think about it when you're a kid. You yeah. just think. They're mean. Yeah, they're like mean kids, man. Like, did you And then you get educated, you're like, <gasps> they yeah, were bullies. Yeah, they were bullies, man. Like, I'm yeah. a victim.
2: <laughs> so uh, that was the fifth grade, so I started the fifth grade, and I was always being a controversial kid in the sense that, um, I don't want to say I spoke my mind. I do speak my mind, but I do it in a respectful way. So I got in a lot of trouble for doing things like that, you know. Um, if I didn't like something, I would tell people I don't like it, and then they wanted me to do certain <laughs> things, so... Um, an example would be like, um, like if the teacher comes and says you you're gonna do fractions this way, I was like, no I didn't learn it that way. I'm gonna do it this way, type of thing. You know, right. that was that was just me. Um, but you know, so uh,
0: at what age do you really start understanding English? At what age are you acclimated?
2: So that, that's a, that's the a thing I miss because I, I never forgot this unless people ask me and then what you did. Uh, when I was in the LA school. The first school I went to, I was talking about, I was getting there at six 5, 6.30 in the morning. There was a teacher that grabbed me. I was speaking Spanish with another student that was, had just come from, I think, Mexico, Nicaragua or something. And so, obviously, we were talking. Um, she pulled me to the side. Actually, she put me in front of the, the classroom, but everybody was working. And she looked at me dead in the eyes. I'll never forget this lady. And she said, you know how long it takes to speak English? Five years. You being here for two months. Stopped speaking Spanish. Just like in my face. You know, it wasn't like like a nice thing. It was like in my face. And I was like... I was so scared. You know what I'm saying? I was so scared. And um, I was like, okay, whatever. You know, I didn't care. Because... I want to say I thank my mom for, for always speaking to me tough and cussing at me. I mean, you've got moms that, <laughs> that cuss at you, you know what I'm saying? cause she loves you. You know what I'm saying? She always treat me like, you know, you piece of, you know what I'm saying? When I would do bad things. So I think things like that didn't bother me. It just came rare. Cause it's my head is like, you're not my mom. Why are you talking to me like this? But it wasn't right. like, are you speaking to me in this weird tone? Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Nothing like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, going back to that, I think, uh, I think I was, I never stopped learning English. I think uh, even today, I still sound with an accent and, you know, pronounce certain words. So I'm still learning, but I think I always say this, you learn the language, then you learn how to properly speak it, and then you learn sophisticated. Right. You know, you start learning with bigger words, different expressions. Like I always, to this day, the thing I battle with is idioms. Because some of them I don't understand. People say, oh, I wouldn't know him from a hole in the wall. What? <laughs> why would you know somebody from a hole in the wall
0: why would they hold me what are you doing behind the hole
2: yeah so it's like okay the apple of my eye i mean that was pretty obvious awesome, but, like, but i heard it's like the apple of my eye i was like okay is there a part in the eye that is it's called an apple you know what i'm saying this is real things you know what i'm saying i was over here and then idioms keep getting hit on and, and i'm over here like yo this is what i what does this mean you know what i'm saying so I never stopped learning the, the language up until right now, but I would say the first time where I would say I, will, I was translating for my mom would probably be sixth grade. Okay. Yeah, so that was fifth grade when I was in the Latino school, and then sixth grade was when I got, you know, middle school. And I actually went to a... I just want to run down to, like, the beginning because I think it has to make sense. I went to Northridge Middle School right here in the valley. Okay. And that school... I didn't know it was a bad school, and so I went to other better schools. You know what I'm saying, um, uh-huh. <laughs> dude? We had people come in with dogs, like like sniffing for. Oh eating. wow,
0: okay. Yeah. I think man, like the students. No, no, like, no, no, like police, uh, police dog. Yeah, the <laughs>
2: police dog would come in and then smell man. And we had like a big drug problem. And I remember when I first got there, um, they were just they we just had gotten back our our locker privileges because in prior year I think somebody brought a gun. Wow. Yeah, and, and I was like, this is crazy. And there was, and that's when I was exposed to really cholos, you know what I'm saying? Like high socks, low... I was not exposed to this. Obviously, in, Gar- in Sherman Oaks, I think, was not exposed no, to that. No,
0: definitely not.
2: Uh, fifth grade, I'd say, it was so kind of soon, you know. But then sixth grade, you know what I mean? By exposed to me it was like the bigger kids, you know, eighth grade, seventh grade. And then there were like, you know, um, you know, bald head. And there were some, like, very scary-looking yeah. dudes, you know what I'm saying? And so... Um, you know, there was, uh, I saw some dude one time brought a, brought brought beer and they were drinking it in the bathroom and I saw it. And then, you know, this the the bathroom smelled like weed. That was when I first had a sniff of weed or what it was like. And, but I just always went to school. I always went to school. And then this is the thing I always tell people. I said, my mom always is very grateful with me. She said, you're a great kid. The reason why is because my mom, after that, she had gotten this job at at a factory, embroidery factory. Okay. And what happened was... She would wake up, so there was there was a time where where I would come home, do my thing, go to sleep, my mom would come home, either cook me a meal, right, cook me a, for my next day meal, do it either either do it at night when she come home or the next morning, then I would wake up and she'll be sleeping, and I'll take a shower, go down to the bus station that was right in front of my apartment building, and I'll go to school, and then my mom would go to work, and then I'll come back, my mom wasn't home. So, I'll do whatever I needed to do, you know, do my homework, whatever, right. eat. Then I'll go to sleep, and then my mom will come over. And she'll see me sleep, and then do whatever she needed to do, and then she'll go to sleep. Then I'll wake up, and then she'll be sleeping. And that was the routine. Wow. That was the routine. So, my mom always said that like, you raised yourself. And then I said, I was like, no, nah, mom, I, you know. But what happened was, yes. You know, I could have not gone to school. I could have not gone to school. And, and all she's going to get was a call that said, your son or daughter, miss one was absent or miss one or two classes or was late to one or two classes and i could have said oh mom you know i was late to one class you know what i'm saying and then they because they said absent or late to one or more classes and i could have been like oh mom you know what i'm saying they said they were going to fix that you know and she and there was nothing she can do right. you know there was i mean she could go to the school but then she would miss a day of work so what motivated
0: you want? i mean because we have a very similar mm-hmm. um, well I, I, at I'll that bring. point, yeah, at mm-hmm. that point, because when I was in fourth grade, I was like, I don't need a babysitter anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I can take care of myself. Right. So my parents would just call me in the morning and like, "Are you ready?" Like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm. I'm, going, I'm leaving now." And that was it. I w- I wake up, take a shower, get changed, have breakfast, go to school, come home, do my homework, go to That's just it. I was just a smart ass little kid. I, right. I wanted I wanted to be a brown noser and I kissed ass as much as I could. Mm-hmm. That's why I did it. What was your motivation? Do you want to be a good kid? I mean, you could have. Yeah, I, could done a lot.
2: I could have gone many routes. Um, I think it was like, this is what I always say. Somebody once asked me a question that was very hard to answer. When it's like, what, what country do you love the most? Or something like that. You know, people would be like, Oh, your main country, you're, I answer it differently, man. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm thankful for Guatemala for giving me my education in the sense of like morals, you know, right. my education of like over there in school, uh, person of power will walk in, you stand up and say, good morning, mister or missus, whatever. Uh, you enter a room. If you came to a house, you say hi. Not the people in the house. Right. You know what I'm saying? So those type of education things, you know what I'm saying? There was somebody, uh, don't something, you know, do miss, miss senora something, right. you know, there was never like, and they, they tell you, call me by my first name, you're like, no, nah, no, nah, nah, I can't.
0: Yeah, no, I still can't. Don, don,
2: don, don Roberto, Doña, you know, whatever. Um. So, I always say, I'm thankful for Guatemala for giving me that. Also, Guatemala showed me what life would be if I go to those routes of crime, you know, because over there, tattoos, people who had tattoos were, gang menus. There was, we didn't see tattoos as a way of expression and art right. like how people do it today. But so, so I got to see that and Guatemala gave me that. But I love the United States for giving me my education, my scholarly education. So mm-hmm. I can never take this credit for that. You know what I'm saying? And, and if, and then the question follow up, but like, if Guatemala and the United States is playing, who would you go for? And I'm like, look, man, Guatemala doesn't, does not win anything in soccer. <laughs> So I'm gonna root for them winning, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you probably see me with a United States shirt. No, it's not even about that. But um, but I, I, get, I
0: get it. Yeah, I don't, bite, I don't bite the Mexicans a lot too.
2: I don't bite the the hand that feeds me, man. And if I have to put, if I have to put it in a rank, and I'm not afraid to say, I'll put the United States first. How dare me? You don't know say? How dare me? For me? To put, to put Guatemala above that when, when the United States is, is, is the place that gives me safety, it gives, it gives me education.
0: I, I totally get that. I, I, I was born in Mexico.
2: Yeah.
0: And we moved here when I was three. Mm-hmm. But I've been here since I was three. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like I'm American. I consider myself first generation because mm-hmm. I, I didn't really live there. Right. I went back to do school for a while because I was bullied as a kid. Okay. So I went back and... Uh, but only to get away from the bullies till they graduated. <laughs> and then, right? Yeah, I was like, okay, leave. Now I'm back. Right. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, I'm. Uh, I love my roots. I I, I, I like a good mariachi. Mm-hmm. I love a good taco. And when I used to drink, I liked a good tequila. Mm-hmm. But I'm Americanized. Like I yeah. I dig it here. Like I, I wouldn't yeah. want to leave.
2: I always say to people that, like they go and visit, you know, either Mexico or something like that, and they're like, "Oh, I love Mexico more." You know, it's cool. And I would say, I always say to them, "Okay, live there with a, somebody's salary, you know, yeah. with somebody's their salary. You're not gonna love it as much." You know what I'm saying? Because I actually had, I'm thankful to say I lived in another country where, where we thought we were rich. See, when I come in Guatemala, we thought we were middle class. And then we got here, and then we realized that we were not crap, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's true. And so I'm yeah. like, you know, I always say to people, visiting is great. Why? Because even even psychologically, you know, you're coming back, right? Even if you didn't like, you, even if you've experienced something horrible, you still in your mind you can wrap your head around saying, "I'm gonna come back." You know what I'm saying? But that's how that's how it is
0: all right so as as now uh, we've talked a little bit by the way thank you uh George yeah George, thank you George, for the coffee really good coffee um, so you grow up mm-hmm. um, for a lot of uh for a lot of immigrants, mm-hmm. college doesn't always oh yeah uh, it's not part of our um Story, because mm-hmm. my parents were like, well, as soon as you finish high school, where, where are you going to work? I'm like, I want to go to school. Mm-hmm. And they were like, but I can't like, <laughs> yeah. like we, we didn't do it. Look at us. And I was yeah. like, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was your, you're from high school and, and what do you, what do you want to do? What do you want to be?
2: So luckily enough, I have a grandfather that's an engineer back in Guatemala. and He always, every time he talked to me on the phone. He'll be like I want you're going to be a professional you know what I'm saying that's always his definition of professional was a college educated person um my mom has a masters in teaching you know so luckily enough i would say i come from a you know education background my aunt is like a supreme court justice from Guatemala so wow so i have a I have a side of the non-educated and then i have the educated one uh True story, man. I mean, it's it's is what you say is very very true. I I never thought I could go to. I attend season I'm in my last, so I'm in the semester. I have one more semester. So next semester, um, uh, that starts in January, and then I'll be good to go.
1: Congratulations.
2: Um, yeah, thank you, man. I was, finally it's almost done. But when I was uh in high school, I would never go to the financial aid off uh financial aid like workshops. Right. I'll never go and see the college advisor, if you will, um, never that, because I never thought my mom would be able to pay for it. You know, I hear financial aid, but I was over here like, I'm not going to get none of this. Right. Like, uh, I, even if they give you money, that doesn't make no sense. So then I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Pierce College. And that was in 11th, 10th grade or something. That's when I met George, the okay. person I lived with. He, uh, he taught at Harvard Westlake High School.
1: Okay.
2: So he offered his services to the school to become a tutor. So I hate geometry with a passion. He taught me, you know, a little bit of geometry. So then he said, like, what are you going to do about college? So I'm going to go to, you know, Pierce. And he's like, why? I said, and I was like, cause it's cheaper. You know what I'm saying? Get started. And he's like, well, let's do the math. You know what I'm saying? He started doing the math because everything with him is math. The numbers don't lie. And I agree with that. So I started doing about, we assumed that it would take me about three years to, you know, get rid of peers. Assuming that, you know, I didn't do the whole two-year ride in in summer and stuff. So he put three years and then another three in in season. Came out almost to the same thing. So he's the one who convinced me to go to season, which was probably the best thing ever. And so, yeah, so I wanted to go to school. I declared my major in high school. I declared uh, business management and economics. Uh... I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to be that. And so, uh, I declare it and then I went and after two years of being in college, I I was like, what the hell is my major, man? Like, everybody that was doing biology are learning out here how to, you know, dissect a frog and I'm over here like learning about like, like nonsense, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, what is this? When am I over gonna be, know how to be a CEO? What a CEOs wear? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, <laughs> that was my thinking, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> It's like, dude, do we say Prada or like Tom Ford? I mean, what is it, man? What did they order for lunch? Yeah, um, no. And so then I had a management professor, Wayne Smith, uh, and he opened my eyes to management. Opened my eyes to management, but I never, I never once thought that I would not go to school. Hope that make that makes sense. Like, yeah. By the means, like whether it was peers, whether it was uh, where I learned a, a skill, I always saw myself going into school. I never saw my, I can never see myself at a regular job. Never, never, ever felt that way. I don't know why. I think mm-hmm. it was, you know, I like to say that seeing my mom struggle and stuff like that pushed me to be there. And not really, not that I never, maybe it did, but maybe I didn't realize it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I never, yeah, probably I I never it. woke up like, okay, my mom's working. I got to go get this, you know, A. Uh Never like that. now it makes more sense. Now, I always tell my mom every time, you know, that's another thing about being Latino, I think, and, and struggling here. Holidays are not the same. Right. It's it's always a sad moment for when it, when Thanksgiving comes that just passes. Hey? Um, Thanksgiving comes, uh Christmas, New Year's. It's always a sad thing because we want to be happy, but we realize where we are. And it's not about something that's about status. I'm not saying that we have to have a big house, cars, and everything to feel happy, but it's like, you wanna, there's a sense of, of emptiness where you kinda say, uh, I wanna feel happy genuinely, but we're just talking about being happy, but we're not really happy. So, I always tell my mom every time, you know, something, like Thanksgiving, I always said, I said, mom, there's gonna be better days. You best believe there's gonna be better days. There's no way this, this, this is it, you know. Uh, I'ma try my best to, to, to get you somewhere, you know what I'm saying? Um, My mom is, I believe, forty-five right now, and I say "believe" just because I don't, you know, I don't know the age. And I always said I have put myself a goal that by fifty, I want to give my mom an option to whether she wants to live here or live in Guatemala. Either way, I will be able to support her. Don't ask me how I'm going to do that. Don't ask me if I will be able to. I don't know, but I know somewhere in me, you know what I'm saying. This is when I think um, when I think positive means you know somewhere in me says i'm going to give her that that pleasure to to basically say those two you know pick pick and choose
0: i get the feeling you're gonna pull it off
1: thank you man i really yeah, do right.
0: well right now i feel really old because i'm actually older than your mom if she's mm-hmm. 45 so oh, i just felt really old there for a minute mm-hmm. um, <laughs> just think of the fact that i could like i'm old enough to be your dad <laughs> or very good looking older uncle um but for those of you listening and or watching, um, like I said in the beginning, I really did. I, I found him because he was Latino and he was on, we, we both been to uh, co Beans Comedy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to interview this dude and, and find out. And one of the best things about this show, I've been doing this for six years. Mm-hmm. And one of the best things is that the stories never go the way I expect them. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking we're going to be talking about comedy, mm-hmm. we're going to be laughing, but your story is very inspirational. I, I'm really,
2: okay.
0: especially um, what you said right now, and I'm going to get—I don't hope I don't I hope get emotional because my family's in Texas and my family's in Mexico. And yesterday, for those of you uh, again listening, this is the day after Thanksgiving that we're recording this, and mm-hmm. I was very happy with my boyfriend yesterday we ordered food we had turkey we had everything we sat around in our pajamas Mm -hmm. but there was a little part of me in the back that was like i missed my people like i wish i had my people around me so i get it
2: yeah man um like i said i always i always tell people when they you know because when, when we have conversations like this and you ask me to do this type of things like this, it helps me also realize some of the things that otherwise I don't think about every day. You know, when people ask me, like, would you want to go back to Guatemala? And, and then, well, to be like, one of the things you wish or something like that, I always said, man, look, I wish I could have, I can give a hug to certain people. That's what I want. You know what I'm saying? When you, when you leave a country, come here, it humbles you to the level that you cannot even understand that, that a hug means so much, you know, means so much. Uh, seeing someone means so much. And I, when I was when I was in Guatemala, I had a, I had a, um, uh, a friend. His name was Juan Carlos. We called him Chicharrón because he was a little chubby. And he was a good friend of mine. We always talked about, like, we're going to see each other again. Don't worry, man, you're going to come over. You know what I'm saying? We always had these aspirations and stuff. And then one day, I... You know I, I go on Facebook and and I scrolling down, and you know people on Facebook, and I' I see his face with a black ribbon, you know, and I was just like, you know it was so unreal it was so unreal in the sense that I was like, okay, and I kept seeing it, and then I hit out my older friend Ugo, I said, "Ugo, what happened?" And it's like, "Oh yeah, man, he, he was murder." and that's when reality kicked in for me. I want to say this happened maybe about four years ago. That's when reality kicked in for me. Where where I was, I forgot that there were still people back there in my in my home that have, were explosives. You know, I have completely forgot about safety. I completely forgot about all these things. And then he, when I heard those things, I mean, I cried, man. I came out, I I told, my I, I texted my dad and I said, hey, man, they 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 killed Chicharón. My dad called me and was like, "Hey man, look, I'm so sorry, man. I've lost friends too. You know what I'm saying? I know this was your buddy, and it was so surreal, man. And I cried. And then even to this day, if I start talking about him a lot, I start crying because he—he is—he was—he was—he was somebody that I always wanted to be like. And I'm not just saying that because he's dead, but I've always his level of not giving a crap was very high, you know." And I never, and I always cared. Not like what people say, but I always think twice about doing something. He just didn't care. You know what I'm saying? He was just like, if I want to go do this, I'm going to go and do this. So he was murdered. I think he was involved with the uh, drug cartels. He was shot up, I believe, seven times somewhere in his face and his chest. And that broke my heart because, you know, I always said to people, I, well, I always, I, when, when this conversation came up, I always said, look, man, he had a choice not to. I'm never going to say that he was a victim. He never had a, cho- he had a choice not to be in that. But I understand why he did it. And that's one thing that people living here will never be able to understand. There's a levels when you say, ah, man, I, you see your mom, you know what I'm saying? You see your mom out here struggling or something. Whatever he saw. And he thought probably that was the answer. Now he dead and stuff. And so, you know, when I think about things like that and, 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 and stuff, it really humbles me to the point where it says how lucky I am. Mm. How lucky I am that I'm here and he's not. And I carry with that everywhere I, I go, you know? And, you know, like I always said, gang is not a joke, man. People act on it like, oh, gang is so cool, but I, I've seen real gangs, you know what I'm saying? I see real guns being pointed at people and stuff. I've seen dead bodies, you know? Uh, at age of 10, you know what I'm saying? Cause that's when I left, you know? At uh, age of 10, I've seen all that stuff and it's not a joke, man. That's why when people talk about guns and having guns in this country and everything, my stand on it is like, sure, your you're Second Amendment, cool. But let's just talk away from an amendment, man. Let's talk about, like, what guns. To me, guns is not a joke. In the sense of, like, <sighs> where I'm from, a gun, if you have a gun on your, on your waist, it's not because you like hunting because you like the gun. It's because you got people that are going to try to kill you and you try to get them first. Right. That's the only reason why you have a gun over there. People don't have it. We didn't have guns in our houses. Why would we have guns in our house? You know what I'm saying? Nothing crazy like that. And so when people go there and you see that side of guns, I I best believe people will not like guns. You know, yeah. but that's a different topic. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to
0: come back and, and get deeper.
2: Yeah, you know? I mean, if you want, I can uh, get deeper. You know,
0: but that kind of to change it over, but yeah, yeah. it's I I tell folks. There's a reason why my parents wanted to leave Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like, There's a reason why they chose to bring us mm-hmm. here. I'm like, yes, the culture is beautiful and the history is wonderful and the food is delicious. But it's what you see on a daily basis that wants to make you want to get away. Yeah. And, and folks don't understand that. And like you said earlier, I'm like, yeah, if I have you know, a bunch of money and I'm down there and I'm white, people are going to treat you like you're royalty because yeah. they know you got the bucks for it. Yeah. When they see me, they'll be like, get to work, mister. <laughs> yeah.
2: In countries like that, money runs everything. I mean, my, my grandfather's pretty wealthy. I would say he's very, very wealthy. And when he goes to, you know, visiting places, you know, we, we go to the some of the best places. And he gets treated because money runs over there, you know what I'm saying? Mo- people will sell their souls for money. People mm-hmm. will kill for money. You know, have somebody go, go go and tell a gangster here, hey, I need you to kill this dude, i give you a thousand bucks. They will think twice. I may be wrong, but I think they t- they think twice. Over there, people will kill you for nothing. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? You go to a little kid, you give him a gun, he's like, hey, go kill this dude, he's gonna be sitting eating tacos right there. You know, no questions asked, you know? Because there's no consequences, but, you know, that's why, uh, I guess I, w- I was criticized when I said, when, I think the first one was the Orlando shooting, or the Vegas shooting. It was one of those two. And people were like, Oh, it's so sad. And I think I did a mistake because, you know, in class, I did the biggest mistake. Then I said, Oh, I don't, I'm not hurt by that. And they're like, You're not hurt by that. And then I'm like, Well, let me clarify. Look, I've seen deaths all my life. You know what I'm saying? All my lives I've seen deaths since the, you know, in the newspaper in Guatemala, there's always like a bus guy hijacked and killed someone people, killed the driver. I said, the United States is going down that road. When you're gonna start having a lot of murders where people are no longer gonna be affected by it. And that's when the problem is. Cause over there lot Guatemala, people get killed all the time. All that happens is like, they killed on something, you know, the owner of the whatever. And then, ah, oh, so sad. Move on with your life. Yeah. And people here, I noticed the Vegas shooting, people were griefing, man. They were talks, And I could see the pain, but I could never feel the pain anymore. I was already immune to, to, to the things like that. Not that it's cool, but it's like, I always say to people, I say, look, if something is not changed, more of these are gonna be happening, and it's gonna be part of the norm, because killing and murdering people, it's part of the norm. I can speak that on that on Mexico, and I can speak on that on, on Guatemala. Yeah. It's part of the norm, and people are not caring. And the moment you stop caring, is the moment when you have lost everything. You know, when that at that point you just gonna have. Then then it becomes the whole. I can not be out on the street at ten. You know, mm-hmm. I have walked this street, my, my street here, when I, when I can't sleep or something, I walk up and down and it would be 11, 12, 1 in the morning. Jeez, I cannot do that in Guatemala. Yeah.
0: No, you can't do that in Mexico.
2: Yeah. You know, so, um, that's the sad part about that. But, um.
0: All right. Uh, let's, let's, yeah, make, let's, let's, let's lighten this up now. Cause yeah. we, we got a little. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah a little, just one And,
0: uh, I saw death for the first time and I was like, four years old. Mm-hmm. My little buddy from across the street mm-hmm. got run over and, oh. and I mm-hmm. wanted to go see him. I wanted to say goodbye and my, my sister was like, no, like mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're too small and I was like, I want to go see him. Mm-hmm. So they took me across the street to go mm-hmm. uh, the viewing and, and so I was four years old and I saw my mm-hmm. little buddy in the casket and I was like, okay, so that's what death looks like. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm I, kind of with you. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not touched that much. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, they're, they're not suffering anymore. You know, for them, like anyway all right mm-hmm. so let's let's move this on mm-hmm. um so college uh, mm-hmm. you're in college you're about to graduate mm-hmm. what what do you see in your future
2: um well i see my future makes a lot of success i do not see myself being an average person in the sense that i go into a job and then just do that i feel like i'm gonna have a big influence I feel, if I could say it, I could be like, I see myself as a CEO, president or something. Why do I say that? It just has always happened, man. Somehow, every time I've joined something, whether it was wrestling or something, I've always kind of left my mark, you know. I've always left my mark somewhere, and I just, as much as I want to be average Joe, I know that idiom, average Joe, uh, (laughs) I can never be average. There's always some, I have to do something that separates me from the rest. And it's not that I'm me. I start and sit down and say, well, how can I be different? It's just my personality. So coming graduating and stuff, I actually, I won't talk about Kubians because that's going to shape on it. So I, I went to a little depression. You know, I didn't know I had depression and stuff. I had a little depression in the school counseling at CSUN. They, they, you know, they give you sessions. So I walked in there. I was like, look, uh, I just want to talk to somebody and everything. Well, what's going on? And then so they sit you down. It's sort of like an interview. It's like, what's happening? And they, they interviewed me and everything and they noticed and they were like, suicidal thoughts. I was like, none. You know what I'm saying? All this, this. Then I, I will sit down with my therapist that has seven sessions. Interesting enough, she said, first of all, let me say, I'm really surprised. And I said, why? Cause you're a male Latino who came in by themselves to therapy. That's unheard of. I said, like, you lie. You know, I was like, you're just saying this to make me feel good. It's like, no, the egos get in the way. I said, oh, well, I'm here because I don't talk to my friends like, hey, look, this is happening because they're not professionals. You are a professional. So that's why I'm here. So we get talking and then sort of towards the end, she tells me that I had severe depression and I, the most you can get is seven sessions, no, six sessions. And I was given seven. I had severe depression. I was something that's not something she tells you in the beginning of of the sessions because you can't freak out or something. But yeah, she's like, you had severe depression. To, to, you know, cut that through, what basically happened was people who have the same sex parent missing or lying their lives tend to go through a little depression between the ages of 19 to 25. So this happened to me when I was, I think, 21. I'm 23 right now. Um, so I deal with that. So now I'm a I'm in a better place and everything. So, but there there was a time in the in the meeting where she said, "What makes you happy?" You know, because she said, "You have only smiled twice in this entire session And that's when you spoke about a Honda Civic that I had and I crashed. And said so when you talked about that car, and then when you talked about comedy, that was the only time because you even told me a joke by Cat Williams. Cat Williams is my favorite comedian he's okay. the one who got me into stand-up comedy in the sense that I started watching it you know and i said those when you just even told me a joke about him and then so what is it about that He's like i don't know you know when i'm sad i don't say i'm, I'm sad i'm gonna watch stand-up but like if i want to laugh i usually get youtube and start watching clips so is that something you would want to do i said maybe you know i saying i don't know I kind of like it, And you know, I It's like, okay, well, I think you should do it, and I and then I said, so, you know, what? you know what? I'm gonna do it, even if it's just one time. I'm gonna be on stage for one time, and I'm gonna be there for myself. You know, I was like, oh, here, we go. <laughs> you know. She's <it's laughs> like, do it, and I was like, I will. Eight months go by, you know, what I'm saying like nothing happens, and then it takes me back to the, what I said earlier, where I just send a uh, uh, email to Corey, and you know, I joined the class, so. I've always, I have a very deep love for comedy. I always said comedy saved my life in the sense that when I was going through that depression, I didn't feel like I had a purpose. People that go gone through the depression, they will probably know what I'm talking about. You wake up and not feeling any sort of need of anything. You know, you just kind of do routine. I was going to class. I wasn't liking it. And then, and I always, I tell Corey all the time whether he knows or not, but I always said, hey man, thank you for that opportunity. I will always be thankful with Corey because he gave me a purpose. Not him necessarily gave me a purpose, but by him allowing me to be part of Cool Beans gave me a purpose. I was going to the show so excited, you know what I'm saying? I was super happy. I was looking forward to it. I was putting my, my what I was going to wear, you know, the night before, like, okay, I'm going to wear this. And then I suddenly be like, oh, I don't know what it, and, you know, I'm just going all out, you know, all out. And I was sharing ideas and, you know. I was really thankful for that. And then I started meeting some great comedians and I made great friends. Torrance is one. Matt, Corey, Drew Lynch, uh, Francisco Ramos. You know, Francisco Ramos sent me a happy birthday on oh, my birthday this year. And that meant so much to me. You know, so many family members sent it, but for him to take his time and said, hey man, happy birthday, meant so much, you know. And I'll share a funny story with comedy. So one time, we're in the green room. Have you been to the green room in the nice House? No, not yet. No, not yet. Oh my God! How could you? Okay. Next time you go, if I'm there, I'll get you in just so you can check it out. So I'm hanging out there, right? And then we're getting out because it's another show. And then I'm you know just doing it here. you am know, saying all of a sudden somebody walks in, and it's um, Carlos Mencia. I don't like the Carlos. I in my backpack here, and I was like, "Oh, what's up, man?" And he like, goes, he goes, and he's like, "What's up, guys?" And I was like, "Oh, what's up?" And I was like, cool, chilling, and everything. And then I, I go up to him, and I'm like, hey, Carlos Munsi. I was like, I was like, man, I can't, I, I can't believe I'm in the same room with you. And he's like, oh, man, stop with all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like he was like that, and I was like, kind of like, you know, that awkward moment. Where you were like, I should have not said that. <laughs> you know, and everything. And I'm over here like, fuck. You know what I'm saying? I was like, hey, you don't, you don't mind if we take a picture? I'm a big fan. You know? He's like, oh, yeah yeah,
0: man, let's take a picture, man. Fuck
2: you know. When we take a picture. out of the picture and everything. And then I was still like so like hurt. I was hurt. You know i I was like, I was like Fuck it. you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> do somebody then talk to me and clarify something for me? He said, you don't understand something. And I was like, what is it? If you're in the green room, especially in the ice house, anybody that walks in there already automatically knows you deserve to be there because people are not allowed to just go in the green room. So he's like, so you, he knew that you were part of this world, part of this entertainment. So by you basically saying, I can't believe I'm in the same room with you, he took it as your ass kissing. And people in the industry do not like ass kissing. You know, they do not like for you to praise every, like, yes, man, basically, you know, and then, and remember they're humans too. And I was like, huh, interesting. And at that moment, I really realized where I was in comedy after a year. I was, I, I never knew where I was in the sense like, I didn't think I was in that level. You know, where I was in the, same, in the same room as Carlos Mencia. And I was, I, that was a, I guess I remember that because I think that humbled me too. Because after that, I met other people and I knew how to act. Okay. Right. You know, I lost my shit when I met Cristela Alonzo. But I was just like, you know, hi, Cristela, how you doing? But in the inside, I was dying. You know what I'm saying? The only person where I think I'll become a diva, scream my lungs out is if I ever meet Kat. You know what I'm saying? And if Cat were to hit me with something like that, man, it would break my heart. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because I love Cat Williams, man. To me, I think he's one of the best in the game. Well, if this if this uh,
0: episode mm-hmm. makes it all the way to Cat Williams, oh, uh, Mr. Cat Williams, please come in and, and uh, do I uh, have a Jose open for you? Oh, uh, dude!
2: Or, I mean, I would lose my thing, man. I think he's. And wrong you said him a hello.
1: Friend yeah, my dude. I mean,
2: I, always people like to discourage me like, oh, would he be doing his crazy? I'm like, I'm like, let's stay with comedy, man. This guy is, a, is is the best in comedy. I don't care what he does in his life. You know what I'm saying? He he does things, but.
0: All right. So we're getting down to the final minutes of the show. Um, and this is a part where uh, I ask my guest mm-hmm. to send some words of wisdom to the people listening. Mm. Jose Reyes, what words of wisdom do you have? Society's over.
2: Society's over. Um, man, uh, words of wisdom. Ah,
1: uh, I mean, ah, man, you got me on that one. Uh,
2: you know, George told me one time something mm-hmm. I live with. He said, he said, you don't do the right things because you want to. I think it's something like that. Yeah, he like said you don't do the right thing because you want to. It's, no, they like say you don't do things because you want to. You do things because it's the right thing to do. So what I would say is, uh, we gotta separate ourselves from all these things that may we think holds us down. You know, being Latino, accents and everything, and we might just, you know, just oh, if you pretend, I, I'm a big believer that if you know, I I like that whole thing where it's like make it and fake it until you make it. Yes. That I like that to a certain extent to the point where it's like I don't ever see myself as Latino. I've actually been called, you know, you all oh, you seem whitewash. You look very Americanized and all these things. Because I just don't have an accent when I speak. I mean, I don't you know speak with a Mexican accent. Even when Spanish, if I want to speak slang, I um purposely tell myself speak slang because my the way I speak Spanish is not in a slang way. I speak proper Spanish. Correct. Thanks to my mom. Um but I always said but I separate myself from being Latino and everything. I knock on any door and I say, hey, how you doing? You know, my name is this. I'm looking for an internship. I'm looking for this. May I may speak to this. How do I get this? So, what I would tell people is separate yourself from all this. You know what I'm saying? Whether you're gay, male, transgender, since that's what we're hearing a lot now. Separate yourself from all that. You are a person, and what's going to speak to you is, is, is what you do. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, your talent is what's, what's going to speak for you. If you're a comedian, so what if you're a transgender comedian? So what if you're this? Are you funny? You know, when I, when, I, when I look at comedians and I help Corey put together some comedians, I don't care what this person looks like is. Is he funny? Is he going to deliver great content? Is he going to deliver a great show? Yes, put him on the show. You know, we don't even care. The times when we have rejected comedians is when the comedian will speak very rude about someone, you know. Somebody's talking about, let's say, gays, and is having a joke, and is very tough about it. We don't put them in because that's his content, you yeah. know. That's his content. So what I would say is, you know, separate yourself for one minute about whatever you think you think will hold you down. Don't make them a thing, and then pretend like you're whatever you want to be. You know what I'm saying? I walk around thinking I'm over here a CEO. I ain't shit, you know, uh you know, yet. Um, But I act like it, you know, I act like it, I just like it. I talk to people like this and at the end of the day, it's who you are, man.
0: Yeah, I dig that because when people ask me about my show, I'm like, well, it's, I've been on for six years, mm-hmm. I have over 200 episodes, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, great, what's your setup like? I'm like, my phone and microphones. Mm-hmm. Like, That's all I need. Cause this, the show is quality itself. I don't need to come in with a big setup and production.
2: Yeah, it's, it's just content, man. I mean, it's just content. I mean, like I said, uh, thank you. By the way, I want to just thank you while we're here on, on reaching out and doing this. Like I said, this is the first time I've ever done this. Really? Yeah, I've never done this at all. Um.
0: I get a lot of virgins on the show. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I'm a different virgin on this. Um, I just, you know, I, I just want to do it just because, um, when I get invited, because I'm part of the board of advisors for a high school. Nice. Um, and we bring speakers, and I brought Corey over and all this. Um, they always have this conversation where, like, how are we going to get kids? we got to educate kids on going to college. And I said to them, let's stop you right there. It's not about convincing people going to college. It's like, how are you going to come and tell a kid you can go to college, and then he's going to a house of a single mother uncles, cousins, and all this, struggling, working two jobs, perhaps, and you're going to tell this kid he can go to college? He's not going to believe you. You know what I'm saying? So so, so when I go over and then people ask me questions like, how did you start in comedy? I tell them, look, I started comedy like this, this, and that. And like what I started realizing is that they catch one thing, maybe. One thing, and they keep it. Maybe they're like, one time I remember I was telling a kid about how I was waking up. Um, And my mom was sleeping And I was going And it's like I had that same thing man And sometimes you know One time I went back home And I just went to sleep I said Why? Why? I didn't want to go to school And I said Was your mom home? She's like No she left You think she wanted to go to work? No man She hates that job So why did she go And you didn't? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. How dare you man? You know what I'm saying? And then he was like I just didn't want to go. And I said, well, let's have your mom not go. What's going to happen? And then just like, oh, well, you know, you can all get paid for that and everything. Okay, cool. But if you don't go to school, what happens? Well, nothing. I mean, we still eat. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I was like, you think that's the biggest effect? No, man. And then, So there's always one thing. And so that's why I decided to sort of share some, some of my story and stuff. Like I said, I don't think I have a big story. I think I have very... Normal stories I think for an immigrant I may be wrong I'm not just trying to be modest um, it, I'll put it this way It's not
0: uncommon to hear a story like that <laughs> It's just not common enough that we hear them yeah. We yeah. need to hear them We need to know We need to let people know that there's a struggle Like I, like I said I, still rem- I remember clearly We lived in Dallas And my parents would wake up Like 4 o'clock in the morning Wake me up my mom would be making like, the tacos for their lunch.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: she probably gave me one. Uh, there was a radio station in Dallas, and the morning show was chile tomate cebolla. Uh, and they would drive me over to the babysitter, or sometimes my babysitter lived next door or wherever, and drop me off. I'd go back to sleep. They'd wake me up. I'd wake up in somebody else's house and uh, have breakfast and go to school.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Come home and wait for them to get off work. And then that was it. You do your homework, and you just keep going. And uh, but I saw my parents, you know, year after year, struggle with that job. And I always thought, I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna do that. I went into corporate. I, I studied uh management when I when I went to school. I went to trade school. I didn't go to college. I didn't go to college until my thirties. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was in corporate, and I was like, I, I don't wanna work for somebody. I wanna do my own thing. So after my cancer, I was like, screw this. I may not be making a lot of money, but I'm doing what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I want people to recognize my interviews and be like, I want to be on his show. And now I get emails from people like, hey, I heard your show. Can I be a guest? And from England and from Australia. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wow, people are listening to me all the way over there. So... That was my dream when I started. Like, mm-hmm. I want to go international. I want the Daniel Garza show on TV. Mm-hmm. At one point I wanted to be the, the, the Mexican gay Oprah. Uh, so maybe that'll still mm-hmm. happen. But then I thought, no, I just want to be Daniel Garza. Like, I mm-hmm. want to have my show. Be me. Right. So thank you for sharing your story, first of all. Right. And, and, and thank you for being part of other kids' lives. Um, and influencing, influencing the way they're going to be grown ups. Cause that's what we need. We forget. We, we're struggling so much that we forget to give back. Mm-hmm. And, and you're doing that. So thank you. Yeah.
2: Thank you. I didn't, I didn't know that. Like I said, um, just, I think, uh, I don't like, I don't let the labels and the thing get to me. I'll just say that. Try to keep it as honest as possible. And yeah, man, I mean, Hope somebody listens to it and somebody may have something to say. I'm open for a debate. I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I, I'm pretty
0: sure people will. Yeah, um, yeah. I also yeah. want to give you opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. if, if somebody out there in Guatemala that knows you, is there anything you want to say out uh, to them? <sighs> <laughs> <I will click>. <laughs> 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 you know,
2: I'm a, I'm a, my, my sister might want to listen to this. You know what I'm saying? Love no, my sister. That's, that's the only person I love, man. That's my sister. My half sister, I would say. I have like two, I have a joke. I'll share it with you real quick. I have a joke where, where I said, um, my dad. He said I said my dad never wanted me to share things. My dad never wanted me to share things. He always wanted me to have my own things. You know what I'm saying? I guess that's why he gave me and my two other sisters own own individual mothers.
1: <laughs> you know?
2: <laughs> you know? So, so I said I, You're laughing for those people are like oh. You know
1: what I'm saying? <laughs> like, uh, uh,
2: but then he like he realized we we're gonna have to share dad, so he left. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dark human rejection, but it's true. You know, I do. We have, have two sisters, <laughs> and, the, and they all got we all got our own mother. And, he, uh-huh. and every time he says that, he's like, "How come they all have the?" They ask him, "It's like wait, so you have two ki- You have three kids? Yeah." And then it's like they all have their own mother, and he's like, "Yeah, I did that so they wouldn't fight." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I would here, like, sure, brother. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I you know, I, see that's one thing about comedy. I would never be able to tell that with a smile or of people. Comedy heals, man. You got to tell some of the things that hurt you the most yeah. on stage or just whatever stage it is, and then eventually you're gonna be able to say it like this, like it's nothing. I mean, some. I mean, I've heard some horrible jokes in the sense of like if you don't tell them as jokes, uh, they're horrible stories. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, man, they're like if you can talk about it, that means you got over it.
0: Yeah, my part of my set is about my anal cancer.
2: Oh, damn. Okay.
0: So I, I, I went through cancer in 2015 mm-hmm. and I thought my first visit to the doctor was funny. So half of my set is about uh, going to the doctor for the first time to get my checkup. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's hilarious. Corey kind of cringed at something. Yes, Corey, if you listen to this, he mm-hmm. cringed at some of it. But uh, then the other part is about church ladies, in, in, you know, Mexican ladies in church and how yeah, las comadres.
2: I'm telling you, man, it's, it's so funny, man. It's, it's I think it's super funny when, when you can talk about things. Um, so
0: you want to send a message in Spanish out to uh, the people listening? No,
2: I, I don't think I message for them, man. Okay. I mean, if I send it, I'm sending in English because I know most of them speak English. Okay. Yeah. You know, so, but no, no, it's just we're coming home. One day we'll come home. That's all. I always told my sister that, and, you know, it's always a sad thing to just kind of turn down the note or something. I always said one day we, we, we're gonna, we're gonna be together and, and it's gonna be nice.
0: But well, I have no doubt that whatever you put on your mind is, is, you're gonna do. You, you you're very impressive. Again, for everybody listening, um, uh, I just met Jose this morning. Mm-hmm. Really. I, I just messaged him and I was like, hey, I want you on my show. Um, I don't really know if he knew exactly what it was. About or anything, but he opened the door and got me in. Uh, and, and thank you again, George, for the delicious coffee. Uh, if yeah. he happens to hear this, uh, I, I personally intuitively have a feeling that you will accomplish many, many great things.
2: Thanks, I, man.
0: You have such a, a strong personality. Uh, I want to work with you. So whenever That's you start fun. producing stuff, I'm throwing my hat in.
2: Yeah, of course, man. Thank you.
0: And then uh, I'll share my story personal story with you afterwards. I'd love to come and talk to I do that. I do public speaking at schools oh, already. Oh interesting. So we'll we'll talk about that afterwards. Yeah, we'll love um, to have you. Any final thoughts out there you want to throw out?
2: Final thought, final thoughts. Uh no man, I'm cool. I'm happy. Um, you guys wanna follow me on Instagram? I yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Please yeah, tell it's, them your Jr. It's H U B R I S dot Jr hubris means uh arrogant overcom- overly confident and that was just and that's funny before we go i just got to share that <laughs> when I, I walk around school middle school some people that go to school they will probably know and i and i used to be like oh i'm gonna be super successful i'm gonna be rich i'm gonna be the best and people were like you're so arrogant you're so cocky and then one time i was sitting in english class and somebody came up like hubris and somebody was like oh that's you and then i was like i got hurt but then i was like you know what I'm saying? I'm hubris. Fuck it, that's it. So I, I made my name on social media, hubris.jr, You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, because I just would tell people that. Well, I was an ass, bro. I would I would tell people like I'm better than you. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like I was like you're not gonna outwork me. I used to walk around with people like that. You know, like, like, I was like you're not better than me. You know what I'm saying? You're not gonna outwork me. And they would be like, what are you talking about? You know, we have like a, a like a small project, like a small art project, and I'll be like my project gonna be better than your project. This is going to sound even more cocky. It was the best project. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, like, I was like, I told you so. Yo. so I was going to be, your, I was like, look at you, crap. Yo. I was just an ass man. I, now I'm not. I was. I came down. I have self awareness somewhat. And I became, but that was why Cubers, that's why Cocking is is my name on nice. social media.
0: Where else can they find you? Um,
2: Just Instagram on cubers.jr. Uh, uh, and just Facebook. I uh, have JR Reyes. Um, if you're following Corey or anybody from comedy, most likely I'm a, I'm a pop up. And for
0: everybody, you know that if you go on the Facebook page, I will link him to, uh, his pages. And if you're watching this on YouTube, scroll down. You'll find all the information, uh, on him, uh, videos or, uh, other stuff. Just go down there. Scroll down. You know what to do. Um, thank you so much. Of course. Thank for, you for the coffee, for the talk, uh, for inspiring me. Uh. Uh, I, I'm, I'm like if he can be cocky, damn it! I'm twice his age. <laughs> Fuck you! Uh, well, who do you think you are? Yeah. Uh, for everybody listening, we've had the pleasure of talking to uh, Manager Jose Reyes from Jose Reyes Management. Uh, he's also a comedian and producer, and a uh, Cool Beans U graduate. Uh, thank you, I, I, and you know, shout out to Corey and, and Matt. Corey uh Craig and Matt uh, Moore, who are, I, I consider them my my comedy godfathers because they're the ones yeah. that pushed me to do what I did and I had a great time. You can check those videos out too. For now, I want to thank uh Jose for being on the show, Mr. Moyers for all his help, and inviting you guys to check us out at uh, com. Also, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Where you can find me at Daniel G. Garza or Little Mexican, L-A-L-M-E-S-I-C-A-N. Uh, for now, uh, this is Daniel Garza saying, hey, put it, put it together.
1: This is how I put it together. This is how I put it together. This is how I put it together.
2: Subscribe to Put It Together on iTunes, Stitcher, and at abnormalentertainment.com slash put it together. Mind put it together on facebook and tweet daniel at lil messican l-i-l-m-e-s-i-c-a-n and for more podcasts comics books movies and more head to abnormalentertainment.com.
1: you've been listening to the abnormal entertainment network